What's up, everybody? I just wanted to preface this show that it was recorded during a power outage here in my hometown of Cuyahoga Falls, and the audio quality on the interview is not terrific at the beginning. It gets better throughout, um, but I apologize in advance. Uh, Not up to our standards, obviously, uh, but had to post it anyways. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. All eyes on Cleveland. Interviewing top sports personalities from around the nation in order to provide you next-level insight and analysis into your Cleveland Browns. Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. And now, here is your host, Brad Ward. What is happening? This is Brad Ward, your host of All Eyes on Cleveland. And an absolutely critical short week for your Cleveland Browns as they get ready for Thursday Night Football. This is a blackout AMA special guest, Jeff Rich edition of the show. I am in the midst of no power. Uh, Still got the interview done via phone, old school style, with Jeff Rich. Jeff Rich is fantastic. He uh, made for a great guest. He is a Browns fan out in Phoenix, a big sports radio podcast guy. He's the host of Sports Overnight America on Sports Byline. He also has Jeff Rich live from Phoenix on Central City Radio, which you can find on YouTube. Uh, And you can go to jeffrichtalks.com to get all of his audio and podcast appearances, uh, radio and podcast appearances. Absolutely great guy. Came on the show here, knocked it out of the park. We talked Browns. We took AMA questions. I did it from my car, on my phone. Got the hot spot on the phone going now. So we can deliver to you the blackout edition of the show. The show must go on. Browns Thursday night football against the Broncos. Absolute must win. Without any further ado, here is the interview. And we are absolutely thrilled tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland in not the greatest conditions to do an interview. We have a very special guest with us, the one and only Jeff uh, Rich joins us tonight. Jeff Rich is the uh, host of the nationally syndicated Sports Overnight America show on Sports Night. Hey, I'm doing great, man. All Eyes on Cleveland's a great name for a show. I could remember when the, the Tupac album came out, spring of 96. Everybody was still bumping me against the world, and then this comes out, and then 18 months later, I'm at Paris Island at boot camp, and our drill instructors are telling us to remember the song All Eyes on Me because that's what it's like when uh, you're in drill. And if you've ever seen the silent drill team, you know that's absolutely. <laughs> that's awesome. It's very much why I'm a huge Tupac fan. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, where, where it came from. Absolutely. All Eyes on Clee, right? So uh, it's wonderful to have you on, Jeff. Uh, you are in uh, Phoenix. You're one of resident of Phoenix. Uh, fan out there. Uh, how is the wine, Phoenix? Uh, you know, it's starting to cool down a little bit, but we're doing just fine. Uh, this is long sleeve t-shirt weather for me, though I wear long sleeve t-shirts, you know, because I'm afraid of the sun giving me skin cancer out here because it shines so bright and so hot. But, yeah. uh, you know, this is the time of year that you really like. You know, I, I watched the game in Cleveland last Sunday. Uh, not, I watched the game on TV that was in Cleveland last Sunday, and I saw it was in the uh, high 50s around kickoff, and that's that's a little cooler than I'd like to be, ideally. <laughs> um, 
we are uh, in touch and bones and all and whatnot. I must admit, you know, I didn't you know, I have to just tell you, you know, I've never done an interview like this before. I got a power attitude. We're going to do it on the YouTube show, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me to do this. And all these questions lined up for AMA. Thank you for us for tonight. Uh, and I uh, came home from uh, my house to find uh, no power, no power in the whole city of Chicago. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. But we're making I'm it. I'm sure that it is. I was, t- I was telling you right before we went on how when my wife, wa- wife and I were in Arlington, Texas last year watching the Browns whoop them cowboys, we, but we learned through emails from our utility company here that we were without power from about uh, about 5 in the morning. And it was early October, so it was a little bit warmer than it is now. And when we got home, we threw a lot of things out and probably set a record for a single spend at Safeway, uh, refilling the, you know, backfilling the fridge from everything that was spoiled and destroyed. Hopefully you don't have to go through that, man. <laughs> Hoping to avoid that. Hoping to avoid that. I just uh, yelled at my son group. Yeah, that's what we're going through right now. But uh, Browns, you know, the show goes on. Browns, Thursday night football. Uh, you know, don't have, you know, so we got to get this interview on, you know. There's a lot of pressing issues. Uh, I had some AMA submissions for asking anything Tuesday, and uh, I've got some here for us. And Jeff, and I want to get your thoughts on some. I'm just kind of hash this stuff out. Um, the first question that I had here tonight for is, um, you know, what are the Browns doing on defense? And really, this is the most important part of the question, I think. Is Joe Woods culpable for what's going on defensively? Well, I think it all trickles to the head coach, and for some reason, Kevin Stefanski see a little bit bulletproof through all of this, because ultimately, it's the top guy's responsibility, what happens with the team. Obviously, the defensive coordinator is the man specifically in charge of the defense. What I'm seeing on the back end are a lot of mental lapses, uh, specifically, I've, I've seen it from John Johnson, some of these pass interference penalties when the ball's virtually uncatchable. Uh, that these guys are committing, particularly Greedy Williams. And I don't like to call any individual out necessarily. I'm just saying that if your team captain, for lack of a better term, your, you know, your communication to the DC, if he's not playing, uh, you know, over the top against DeAndre Hopkins and Mike Williams in consecutive weeks, what is your defensive game plan? So, uh, it always boils down to the coaching staff, the defensive coordinator, uh, but the players ultimately have to go out there and get it done. I just think that there are no bad football players in the National Football League, but some of these schemes could be wrong and some of them can just be outsmarted. But to see the disgusting level of wide open that we saw from Mike Williams in week five and then uh, you know how, how many times was DeAndre Hopkins left just wide, wide open against the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Those are both two good football teams, but when I look at it, it you know, if the Browns really are more than just what their press clippings are, then they need to answer the call and they need to fix this. You know, in the same breath, I want to mention that they had two spectacular defensive outings against NFC North opponents in Chicago and Minnesota. Yeah, no question. They, they I thought they turned the corner there, Jeff, you know, and, and then, um, and, and, and I thought they turned the corner and they were actually going to. Like, I kept telling everybody before the season, you know, there's a lot of new faces. You're talking about now, there's like 10 new guys in their occasion, even more than that with Malik McDowell now and stuff. You know, it, it's going to take time for this defense to gel. I feel like the, the front four has gelled pretty well. You know, they're playing those, you know, those 
games off of each other and the front four pretty well. It's the secondary that's the concern. And there and it's quarters coverage and it's been Ronnie Harrison a few times, well you know, once in the in the um like I, I don't want to call individuals out either, but you know, Ronnie's kind of gotten picked on and he's the one that left Hopkins open in the back of the end zone. But I gotta go back to, you know, this question is Joe Woods Cobble a, a little bit, right? I mean if the guys are if you're not ready to play quarters then don't play quarters, right? You know, stick to your cover three, cover four stuff if you have to, um, or adjust the game plan. But two weeks in a row, they try to play quarters like 50% of the time, and they got burned on it probably like a total of four times for like four touchdowns. Well, I think that's on the linebackers too, and you're obviously playing without Alosu Karamara for an undetermined amount of time. That's really going to hurt this defense going forward. They are very fortunate that after this short week they have – kind of a half-assed team in the Denver Broncos. Nothing really exciting on the offensive side of the ball. You you do worry about their defense. I think that you can compare it very much to the Chicago game. Uh, maybe not the same dreadful uh, effort that you got from the opposition because Denver will be ready to play on the road. And I, I was reading, I don't think that the Browns have beaten the Broncos at home since Bernie Kozar was there. Yeah, I I, I believe it. I believe it. Well, they just went to uh, Denver, what, uh, two years ago, I think 2019, and, and lost the game. They should have won against uh, uh, a uh, rookie quarterback in that one, if you recall. So, yeah, that was a, a that was the Broncos. What's that? They've had a tough time with the Broncos. Historically, yes. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it all boils back to the three AFC championships in four or five years there where Denver went to the Super Bowl and lost each and every one of those times. But uh, you know, fast forward, you know, very few you know, very few within the organization are still there. John Elway, the notable exception there. Boy, those Broncos, uh, they found ways to beat the Browns, even when the Browns should have beaten them. I can remember a Thursday night game at home with uh, Bernie Kosar, maybe making his first start ever, or uh, not Bernie Kosar, Brady Quinn making his yeah. first start ever back yeah. in, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2008, but that's a total guess. Uh, you know, the, the big play, you know, I can still remember the Jimmy Donovan call from Peppers putting away the Saturday Saturday night game right before Christmas a, a couple of years ago. And, oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, got him. You know, Peppers got him. You know, Peppers got him. He got sacked. You know, the Browns are going to win this game. So, yeah. uh, they, they've been able to conquer them lately, but I'm forever looking for revenge for the weekend I spent in Denver in 2009. So it couldn't have been 2009 because I was at the game in Denver. It was the second game of the year, and it was Josh McDaniel's first year. Uh, and he went to, you know, he beat the Browns 34 to – Let's say thirty-four to six. I think we got the uh, joy of two Billy Cundiff field goals in that game. But you know, the Broncos went five and zero, oh, and then uh, they might have even missed the playoffs that year and fired Big Daniels uh, a year or two in. It's hard, you know. It, it, it's crazy to think some of these things feel like yesterday. But twenty ten, two thousand nine, it's eleven, twelve years ago. Yeah, I was just gonna say, Jeff, that's an incredible memory. But you know, Billy Cundiff field goals and all that stuff, and I, and I, re- I actually remember that really vividly. Daniels in that job and, and them going five and zero and him running out on the field and pumping his fist and yelling at the crowd and stuff and then they they kind of fell off a cliff that year. It was pretty wild. But you know, well, he beat, Bel- he, he beat Belichick's New England team, you know, which was he a big did. deal because he spent so much time with that uh, organization. Yeah. I, I can remember Bill Belichick actually looking to shake his hand and 
you know, Josh was too busy fist pumping out there. And, you know, you're from the, you're from the three, three, Oh, you know, is there any kind of a uh, provincial pride in, in Josh McDaniels down in that, uh, you know, in that, in that Canton area anyway? Well, probably in Canton, I'm sure there is, you know, I'm, I'm an Akron fan, so we don't, not really here, but yeah, in Canton, definitely, they, uh, those are, you know, the McDaniels, they're all very proud of them down there. Uh, not, not so much residing here in this household, though, we're, we're up in the Akron area. I got you. Um, yeah, absolutely. We listen to All Eyes on Grizzly with a special, uh, blackout edition. Jeff Ridge joining us here, getting ready for Thursday night football. Short turnaround here for the Brownies as they will host the Broncos on Thursday night. A banged up uh, Browns team, uh, and we're going to get to some of that right now with Baker Mayfield. So here's our question, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Where are you with Baker Mayfield? Injury question mark good slash bad question mark. Uh, there are too many opinions out there right now. What's the truth uh, with our AMA question? It's pretty well phrased. I think there are too many opinions out there. Um, where are you at with Baker right now? And, and we, we know today, you know, he was pretty candid in his interview uh, saying that, you know, it's a fully torn labrum and some frayed uh, damage in there. And uh, But he fully intends to play on Thursday, according to him, and he was limited in practice today. I think he's in a hell of a lot of pain. Uh, I think that it is something that you're capable of, you know, he, he's wearing the – uh, I, I was going to say holster, but you know he, he's got an apparatus on the left shoulder so that yeah. you know, so he could gunsling with the right shoulder. See how I brought that full circle? Uh, I, I think that he's very. That. I think he's very inconsistent. I think that even within game on Sunday, yeah, you know, that that hail mary pass was just a thing of beauty, and you've seen him spread the needle and put together some great games uh, over the course of his brief career. Uh, you know, the problem is he gets juxtaposed against the other quarter, young quarterbacks in the league. And in the moment, even though Justin Herbert got pasted by the Baltimore Ravens, in the moment, yeah. you look at Burrow, you look at Murray, who beat him head-to-head. You look at Herbert, who beat him head-to-head. But you also look at Justin Fields. You also look at some of these guys that haven't taken over. No, None of them, no, not a single one of them that are still playing in this league had to take over an 0-16 team. I think Matthew Stafford's the one that could sympathize the most, and I don't recall seeing the Lions in the playoffs if much, if at all, while he was there. So I, I think that Baker Mayfield is the best thing that Cleveland's had at quarterback, and I know that the bar is extremely low on that, but the inconsistency is the scary thing. And I think that there's inconsistencies much amongst the Browns. Uh, I think that within the coaching staff, the short yardage situations, I think that they just don't know yet how to be a good fall team, how to be a winning team would be a more accurate way to put it. Yeah, I would think that that sounds pretty accurate to me right now, Jeff, at least the last few weeks here what we've seen. Are, they can't really get over that hump on beating other good football teams. They're right there, you know, with the Chiefs and with the Chargers, but they just can't seem to, you know, get over that hump and when they do play well against the good football teams. And sometimes that comes down to your quarterback at the end of the game. So um, staying on Mayfield a little bit, I would agree with you about the inconsistency. It's tough, you know, we saw him play great football uh, for about 10 weeks last year to end the season. So high hopes coming into this year, right? Um, and he hasn't been very good. You know, he's been hit or miss. And a lot of it can be contributed to to this, you know, this the uh, whatever you want to call it on his shoulder, his uh, 
um, sleeve or uh, holster is <laughs> on his shoulder. Uh, but yeah, the uh, I think it's sling. Is sling the right term? Uh, sling. I, I I know what it. I, I said it a hundred times. I actually did a report on it, but it's slipping my mind right now. The actual, you know, the actual verbiage for it. But uh, sling is close. He was in a sling on Saturday game. Maybe he dislocated again. But um, yeah, so he, that was a scary looking injury. Watching the the arm bend all the way backward was like exactly what you don't want to see from your starting quarterback with uh, either one of his arms. No, it was brutal, yeah. And then the way he just kind of laid there in in a slump, right? Uh, it, was, it was pretty brutal. You know, I know that it, it affects his throwing, Um because when you go to push the ball down the field, it just affects the torque that you can get. When You know, Baker is more than other quarterbacks uses his whole body, you know, um, to put it in his throwing motion. The problem I've had, Jeff, is even when he's played relatively good games against, like, the Chargers, if you go back and look at, at, at some of the film, he's he's missing wide open guys. Like he's missing, I don't know how well he's seen the field. He's missing Odell at times. He's getting open like 75% of the time. He runs around more than five yards. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, early in the season, there was a number of clips I saw where he was wide open. And it's like, he's getting to the top of his drop. It's like he just can't let it go sometimes, you know? You're just like, well, throw it, throw it. And he just kind of pumps and pumps and maybe scrambles for like two yards. And I've seen that a lot lately. And I just want him, it's like he has to find that middle ground between being what he was in 2019 where he turned it over like like 19 times, right? And and being completely turnover free. Like he can't lose the gunslinger in him. He's got to be that, but he also can't be a turnover machine. So he can't, you know, Guys are open down the field. You got to let it go, right? I mean, and he's missing a lot of that stuff, and that's what's been the most frustrating aspect of his game to this point. For I think a lot of it's between his ears. I think that he overthinks a lot of his dropbacks. Uh, you know, just just yeah. like you know, let loose and rip it down the field. Yeah, and he's been. I mean, I swear, you know, we've been watching him for the better part of four seasons or three plus this one anyway. And I have never seen him concede the sacks as much as he has. And it's not like he's just laying down for these guys to, you know, to roll over them, but he's taking a lot of time. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's go through your progressions, check that, you know, if you go through them and you still have time to, you know, see if your first read is open now, otherwise tuck it and run or, you know, throw it in the lake. Yep. I agree. I agree. Um, but yeah, we'll see what it, what do you what are your thoughts on him playing on Thursday? I mean, I've heard a lot, you know, on my ride home today, call after call after call on Cleveland Sports Talk Radio, uh, saying Case Keenum should be the one to start on Thursday. Let him sit until Halloween and let him play Pittsburgh. Now, this the thing about this injury is it doesn't get better until you have surgery. So, I mean, it's, it can get a little better, I'm sure, uh, but it's not going to fully heal until you have surgery. So I don't think he plans on doing that. I think, you know, he can't really do much more structural damage to it. He just doesn't kind of has to play through it until he wants to have that procedure, if he ever does, right? Um, you know, when he brought this up earlier in the season, Odell came out and said that he's had, the, you know, a partial tear in his labrum for 10 years and played with it. So, or eight years or something crazy like that. So, um my brother had the same injury. He played at Ohio Wesley, and that's why I talked to you at length about this injury. He kind of said, you know, once your shoulder's in place, it's not painful, really. 
it's just kind of a nuisance. But if it gets knocked out a couple times in a row, it can get really loose. And even Mayfield mentioned it came out again later on in the game. So it can, you know, kind of pop out at any time that your arm leaves the, you know, the center mass of your body. So what do you think about him playing Thursday night? Would you rather see Keenum? I mean, he's $6 million backup. Is this what you have him for? That's what everybody's going to claim right now. No. You play the backup when the starter can't go. The starter's willing to go and he's cleared by the medical staff to go, he should absolutely go. He's the one that's got the timing down. He's the one that runs play action. I know that Keenum runs play action well. He played in that Kubiak Stefanski yeah. system in, in, in Minnesota. But, you know, I think that you go with your best. And you know, one of the lamer things that I've heard, and I, I expose myself to too many fans on social media, <laughs> it, it's that if Conklin and Wills can't go, that we should, they, they should play Keenum because they'd rather feed Keenum to the Wolves. I don't want to see any of my guys get it. That's ridiculous. Uh, but I, yeah. I, think that, I think that if you're trying to protect Baker Mayfield, there's no way that Baker would stand for that. That's not the type of organization the new Cleveland football Browns are. So I would expect Baker Mayfield to be out there under center. Now, if the game gets out of hand, you know, in our favor or in the Broncos' favor, I think that, you know, you should have a quick hook on him. You know, yeah. if there's no reason for him to play the fourth quarter, don't play him in the fourth quarter. You give him as much rest as you possibly can, but rest isn't going to heal him. Rest just rest is just going to give him temporary relief from the pain that is playing football with a torn labrum, with a fully torn labrum. Yeah, fully torn labrum, frayed and everything. So, yeah, absolutely, Jess. It makes a lot of sense. You. you know, if he says he can go, I think despite him being an emotional guy, I think he is smart enough to realize when it, it he would be detrimental to his team. I do. I think that he could self-reflect. And I think you would have enough people in that building that would be saying, you know, if they see him out there in a limited capacity, like, hey, you're at the point now where, you know, maybe you're 70% and maybe we need to go to the backup for a week, right? Uh, I think you have enough people around him telling him the right things that he, they could come to that conclusion. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure Kevin Stefanski would step in if that was the case. So if he's good Brad, with it, the, yeah. The question always is, which guy gives you the best chance to win? You can screw oh, right. around a little bit with other positions, but at the quarterback position, you say, who gives me the best chance to win? And we're seeing it at Baker's alma mater right now where you have this highly touted Spencer Rattler from Arizona, by the way, and he just hasn't, in his sophomore season there, he just hasn't been it, what, which Oklahoma needs because they're vying for a potential playoff spot. So they're going to go with this kid, Caleb Williams, because Caleb Williams right now, despite the headlines, you don't have to worry about you know who you're paying in college. Well, not yet anyway. Uh, but Caleb Williams right now, Lincoln Riley gives them the best chance to win. He you know, believes that Caleb Williams gives them the best chance to win. So you're going to go against conventional wisdom, and you're going to bench your day one starter, which isn't something you usually see at Oklahoma, but it's what he's got to do to give his team the best chance to win, and I think that Kevin Stefanski lives in that on that same realm. Yeah, no question about it. That You said it perfectly. You know, you just got to evaluate whoever's your best shot on Thursday night. You run him out there, I agree. Um, and for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty sure that'll be based on what you said, the rhythm of things and, and just, you know, the way he orchestrates his offense, even when he's not throwing the ball, I think he gives you a better chance, of, you know, as long as he's not completely uh, torn down to nothing. You're, you're listening to, well, I almost said watching, you're supposed to be watching, but you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with uh, special guest Jeff Rich. Jeff is the uh, host of Squirts 
Overnight America on Sports Byline. Uh, you can go check out uh, JeffRichTalks.com, uh, where he has a number of uh, different uh, uh, events. Right? We get your takes out, and you run a number of shows and things like that. And then everybody can go check you out and follow you on Twitter at the same handle. Correct? Yeah, everything is at JeffRichTalks, JeffRichTalks.com, or at Jeff Rich Talks on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can actually get me on Snapchat, too, but I'm not really active with the radio stuff on Snapchat. But, yeah, ch- check sure. out the Not Suitable for Utah podcast uh, available on most uh, podcast platforms, uh, specifically Spotify on Anchor, and the Jeff Rich Live from Phoenix show, which I live stream on YouTube. Sorry to rub it in a little bit, Brad, but uh, we we stream it on YouTube. It goes out over the Central City radio app, and you can find all of my audio recordings on JeffRichTalks.com, including, hopefully, uh, at some point, all eyes on Cleveland, my guest appearance here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you certainly will be able to. And, uh, all right, so we'll finish up here tonight. Let's get to one more question here as we go to our AMA back here. Last question, I like this one. What in the fuck are the Browns going to do on Thursday night? The whole team is hurt. Question. <laughs> they're going to have to play winning football. They're going to have to do. You know, they're going to have to make do like the Cardinals did without Zach Allen, without uh, Cliff Kingsbury, without their quarterbacks coach. What the Browns had to do in the playoffs, and it's improvise, adapt, and overcome. You know, you yes. need to. Uh, you know, you, you need to help out. James Hudson third on the right side of the line. If Conklin can't go, I know the Wills isn't going to go, so it's going to be Blake Hanson. You know, he's always going to just be a guy named Blake, but uh, he's on the field for a reason. He's not on the field because it's a cool little story about Baker Mayfield back in January referring to him as a guy named Blake. He's earned his job out there, and I don't think that this organization plays favorites when it comes to the 53 and the depth chart because if they did, I know that they're really high on Drew Forbes. They just haven't been able to get him, uh, you know, get him conditioned to play at the NFL level after coming out of No question. I agree with you 100% there. Yeah, Hans has done a pretty good job, at least better, you know, and Hudson has, and Hudson's rookie, and he shows promise. Uh, he's just he's just getting beat, uh, kind of rather regularly when they don't help him. And they've got a chip over there, and they've got to maybe keep a guy in sometimes to help him out over there, especially on Thursday night with Baker. And and the one thing that the Broncos do have is a pretty good pass rush, right? So uh, yeah, they still got Von Miller last time I checked. And, and yeah. let, let me tell you something. I th- I trust. Bill Callahan to get the most out of his. You know, we've had issues 100%. with Freddie Kitchens not being able to channel, channel the talent into winning, and I don't think that we have that problem with Kevin Stavansky. In fact, I think that Bill Callahan's his most reliable lieutenant. And, and, and let me say, let me just circle back to Joe Woods for a second because yeah. I've been, you know, listening to the Arizona media here. It's been fire Vance Joseph, fire Vance Joseph. Fire Cliff Kingsbury, get somebody that's not a little person to play quarterback for this team, and you don't hear any of those, those noises anymore. And I think this is Vance Joseph. I think he's been the DC here since Cliff got here. So uh, yeah. you know, I think you give a guy three seasons, and this is this is what uh, 1.5 for Joe Woods or 1.25 for Joe Woods at this point. So I, I say that you, you give him a little bit of latitude because you're not going to replace him. Mid-season, so whether he's culpable or not, you got to ride him out. You got to ride him out for another eleven games. Yeah, there's no question about that. I mean, he, I, I, I like Joe Woods. I do. Uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I just want to see, make sure he's 
putting guys in the, you know in the right position to succeed and, and with all that talent over there, eventually you're going to run out of resources. I get it; it's early, not as early, but it, it's still early, and they still got a lot of football to play. And, and we saw them play two really good football teams as a defense, but that rush and the secondary have to come together at the same time or else it's going to continue to be a mess. It's just the communication stuff that bothers you, you know? The simple stuff that should be worked out in practice. The penalties bother me, too. Uh, I, yeah. I, I get enough of that on Saturday with the damn Sun Devils uh, under Herm Edwards and this uh, professional organization of college football that they're supposed to be running over there. But <laughs> I see a very undisciplined team. And the whole Pac-12 is undisciplined, and the refs are terrible, so only half the stuff gets called, and some of the stuff that gets called is just completely phantom like they got to meet a uh a roughing the passer quota or a pass interference quota and, we, and i thought i thought we saw a lot of that on sunday oh, but i've been told not to whine too much about the uh officiating because cardinals just boat rate them all together yeah absolutely didn't have any influence in the outcome of the game however i do think you know the egregious pass interference the week before certainly i think played a little bit in the outcome you still had a few in the game you still probably should have won the game but that egregious pass interference call uh, on uh, uh, A.J. Green and Mike Williams. And then, you know, last week, you know, the one drive was all penalty. It was ridiculous, right? You know, two pass interference calls and one where, you know, John Johnson basically intercepted the ball 10 yards in front of the play and out of bounds, and yet it's not uncatchable. I don't get that. Uh, but, yeah, that, the Browns have been on the wrong end of those calls. You know, certainly uh, guys uh, just throwing up uh, – Prayers with pressure in their face and getting flags, uh, you know. So it's been unfortunate. It kind of got bailed out a couple times. Kyler did once, and so did so did Herbert. Uh, in, in tough, tough situations, fourth down on runs, and you know you throw one up and get a call like that, and the Chargers team it was absolutely brutal. But yeah, I've whined enough about that too. You know, they still should find a way to win the game, right, Jeff? Yeah, you got to overcome the refs, you, and you got to play the team that you're able to field against the team that's lined up against. And that's what, you know, very simple, fundamental. Yeah. Uh, so you think they went on Thursday night? You really need it, man. It's absolutely crucial. Yeah, I don't see this team losing three in a row. I know that they're down a lot of personnel, and they've got to figure out. I think that you slide Ronnie Harris into the JOK role, but, you know, that's debatable whether it's more of a linebacker position or more of a uh, a, a strong safety position. But I, I think that they could beat this Broncos team. I don't think it's a very good uh, Denver team. And I think the Browns are going to have to get used to the guys that uh, aren't able to go. Uh, yeah. And Ernest Johnson has a wonderful opportunity. I think the you know the DPJs and and the Rashard Higgins have great opportunities if Beckham and, and Landry are still out. So uh, I, I trust this team. I trust this coaching staff, and I, I don't. I wouldn't trust Denver if I was a Denver fan, which is kind of weird because that kind of goes against the entire history of Browns v Broncos. Hey, that's where we're at, though, man. I do. I, I trust in Stefanski, and I think I'll have him ready. Even you know, even if it's John Kelly and Dearness Johnson running all over him, that's fine. John Kelly looked great in the preseason, and had a pretty good year last year with the Chargers. So you know, he, he can do some damage too. I think they're going to use him a little bit as well. So uh, I, I think it'll be fun. Uh, you know, I, I love my games. You know, even when they're banged up like this. So I'm looking forward to it, and I'm glad they get the little mini buy afterwards. Jeff, you've been fantastic, man. Uh, awesome guest, but I gotta have you back on when the YouTube gets going again, so we can have you on and do the whole thing right. But uh, thank you for making time for me tonight. I know you got your own show coming up here, so I'm gonna let you go. Uh, you, you're the man, though, Jeff. I appreciate you. All right, brother. Thanks for the invite. Anytime.
All right, man. Jeff Rich, uh, uh, overnight uh, on Sports Byline, uh, Sports Overnight America on Sports Byline, and uh, also Coaches by Fans on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great evening. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Bye.